Welcome to another episode of IBSC Exploring Boys Education, a regular podcast in which we investigate issues that impact and affect boys' schools and the education of boys. I am Bruce Collins, IBSC Director of Membership Engagement, and it's a real privilege to be your host. I'm excited to introduce our second Talking Heads feature. In episode 6, if you remember, we were able to connect with Anthony McAuliffe and Shane Kidwell, heads of Brisbane Grammar School in Australia and St Albans College in South Africa, respectively. In this episode, we talk with John Botti, head of the Browning School in New York City. I had a colleague who would say that uh, if you hug a boy's school, it'll really hug you back uh, in a way that's, that's hard to forget. Uh, and, and I've really come to believe that. And Tom Batty, Principal of Scotch College in Melbourne, Australia, and Chair of the IBSC Board. Uh, I don't believe that we can talk about what makes a good boy or a good man before we consider what, what we mean by a good person. Before we get into this fascinating conversation, however, I'd like to highlight some IBSC online classes which start soon. On June 8th, we have two classes starting, The Self-Motivated Boy, which develops future-ready leadership in the classroom, and a course in single-gender education, which is specifically for teachers new to boys' schools. On July 13th, we repeat the single-gender education course, but are also offering Building Leadership in Schools for Boys, and another popular course, Mastery Practice in Teaching Boys. You can register for any of these classes now, and also keep your eyes peeled for new online classes being launched later in 2020. Furthermore, our on-demand Boys and Reading short course is proving very popular, with close to 60 registering for the class since its launch in February. This class can be joined at any time. See our website for details. Lastly, If you haven't yet listened to our two-part series on reaching, teaching and succeeding with boys of colour, I'd urge you to set some time aside to do so. You can also listen to our special episode on how boys' schools around the world are adapting to online schooling during the COVID-19 pandemic. Speaking of COVID-19, Tom Batty had some encouraging words for the coalition before we got into the nitty-gritty of our interview. We're in challenging times and there will be some things in common that we are all facing. Each school will have its own particular matters, but there is an, there's, an, there's a fair bit of this that we're all facing together. We are stronger together without a shadow of doubt. Our ability to learn from and support each other is so important and the IBSC plays an important part in that. We will be disrupted. It will be a difficult time for schools. It will be a difficult time for the coalition. But we're strong. Um, Our office is remarkably well-led and well-resourced. And we we will respond. And we will adapt. And there will be, there will be an impact, but we will emerge stronger. And um, our community will be tighter. How do you get through things? You learn. And education does that and we will educate each other and ourselves and um, the coalition will, will respond and, and um, support people and will become a stronger organization for it. The IBSC obviously sends its love to, to all member schools and their staff and their families. 
Following on from Tom's message, I asked both heads, John and Tom, to share their insights about the value of IBSC membership to them personally and to their schools. I don't know of another organization which is which is providing a, a stronger or, or better conversation about how how we can all answer uh, our collective calling uh, to to serve boys well, so that they can help create a, a better world for us all. Um, you know, it's for me, it's the best place to go to to share best practices, to have understanding of best school cultures, uh, to explore best. Uh, institutional uh, programs. Um, I, I love getting together with with IBSC colleagues, or, or just speaking with IBSC colleagues, because I, I never walk away without having had a reminder of the kind of uh, universality uh, of some of our concerns and our questions and our hopes. I, I sort of feel that if you if you think something's important and you value it, it's incumbent upon you to get better at it. And how do you get better at stuff? You generally, obviously you want to learn more about it, but you also want to learn how um, different, in our case, schools, but also different communities, um, how, they, how they adapt to and how they seek to progress. Those things that are common to us all. And one of the great things about, many great things about the IBSC is the opportunity to see exactly that, how different communities, different cultures, seek to go about um, progressing education, pro progressing the development of boys into young men. Um, the same things we're all dealing with, but doing it in, in different ways or with different flavors. And, and through that, you learn, and you learn to look at your own school and your own classes differently, and it gives you an opportunity to grow. For me personally, I think for my colleagues, um, just the relationships uh, in, in the coalition have just been, they've been so fulfilling uh, and, and, and so sustaining. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to connect with, with, with some of the most, um, you know, imaginative, uh, generous, uh, wise, um, uh, thoroughly good-humored educators uh, in the world, uh, I think, through, through the IBSC. And it's just... Uh, it's a gift. I love the collegiality. Uh, teachers, you know, in general, teachers are good people, and um, and the IBSC brings together an, a lot of really good, talented people who care about education and care about the boys and their and their and their development, and and that collegiality linked with the research, which has been a massive growth in the IBSC, led by some dedicated people. And really has has in over the last ten years or so started to define our coalition um, and give people opportunity to be involved and for us to learn from it. I like to, the thought, you know, obviously of improving the outcomes of boys. I enjoy a stimulating conversation that comes, and you can, you know, for us and our staff um, and the boys as well. Um, but most importantly, I, I, for me, I'd go back to being able to share time and ideas and experience with um, clever, insightful people from different parts of the world who are all invested in their own way in the same thing. Boys' schools are unique and special places. Interestingly, both Tom and John were educated at co-ed institutions. I asked them how they were drawn into boys' education 
and what it is about boys' schools and teaching boys that they love so much. I guess I would want to begin by saying that all my experiences as a student uh, were, were co-educational. And I, I just kind of fell into boys' schooling uh, out of college. I had an opportunity to work at a, a boys' boarding school, and so I, I took it. But I, I have to say that um, that I came in with, I don't know if I want to say it was a jaundiced view, but but I didn't. I hadn't really given a lot of thought to why boys' schooling existed, and I probably came in with some assumptions that these were kind of seedbeds of things like, uh, you know, misogyny and, and sexism. Um, but, uh, you know, in short order, I mean, like within a matter of days, I, I came to realize that it was really less the composition of the, of the student body and more the mission uh, of the institution that counted. Uh, and I also, I guess, um, I, I would, I noted that, you know, I had grown up in co-ed circumstances and, um, you know, I, in those circumstances, I'd seen lots of sexism and misogyny and the things I'd worried about. But I realized in my co-ed world, uh, I was seldom, uh, if ever, uh, invited into uh, a conversation about what an authentic and, and, and ethical manhood could or, or would look like. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I found quickly that, that, that boys' schools were, I think, trying to do something significant um, and uh, that uh, they really... What I really love about them is, is that I think they can mean so much uh, to the boys who attend them. I was educated co-ed, co-ed all my life, and I was in my first ever teaching job in New Zealand. I left Britain and went to New Zealand, and um, I wanted to move down to Wellington, and a good job came up at a school, uh, in a boys' school in Wellington, and that, it's that that took me into boys' education. And from that, I just really enjoyed it and the progression through to to um, be a headmaster of a boys' school. I suspect I probably would have wanted to do it in a co-ed school as well, but I, I happened to go down that path to that first school, St. Patrick's College in Wellington, and, and absolutely loved it. One of my favorite things about uh, uh, working and, and living in boys' schools is uh, when boys who have graduated uh, and gone on to college uh, when, when we have, when they have their holiday breaks, just kind of how eager I find them to, to come back to school uh, and to show that they've, uh, they've made good, uh, as it were, uh, when, they, when they've gone away. They, they, they'd love to say, well, I was so prepared for this, or this conversation was easy for me because the experiences I had here or the relationships I've developed in college are, are, are great, but uh, the really the foundation of how I learned to do that thing happened. Uh, happened in my school, uh, K through 12. And I, I think that's that's really exciting. I had a reunion with some old boys in my boarding house a few months ago. And the stories, so many of them were of old times in the boarding house and the conversations, which is captured beautifully, I think, in that lovely Harrow song of 40 years on. Uh, I, I think the boys uh, really internalized the idea that they're, they're asked to be part of missions that are that are often rare uh and and uh and significant um you know in my time with uh with boys schools and i've been doing it for golly over two decades now that just uh i just found like if you embrace boys schooling i had a colleague who would say that uh if you hug a boys school it'll really hug you back uh in a way that's that's hard to forget uh and and i've really come to believe that i love i love the energy and humor of, of boys and um the fact that they can have a sense of mischief, but also those really sharp minds that can both flit in a moment from one thing to another, but also 
suddenly delve really deeply into the depths of reason um, and contrary to what many people may feel who don't work in boys' schools, depths of emotion as well, the poetry they can write, and then flit out of that onto something you know, seemingly quite light. I love, I love the loyalty that boys can display to a cause bigger than themselves. And I, and I really do welcome and, and, and love the reciprocity that exists in what is the unspoken contract that we, that we have with, with boys. Um, I love their pragmatism. The fact that you know you've got to convince them a little bit, and somewhere in there, I mean, it has been said about me from, uh, from more than just my my darling wife, but uh, um, that obliviousness sometimes of not quite knowing what's going on, um, and I like the honesty and humour that that breeds. That slight obliviousness to things. I don't know that anyone would let me lead. <laughs> anything other than a boys school uh at this point but this is this is what I, where i want to be uh this is work that i really enjoy um i, I think that we uh, we as a collective of boys schools have an opportunity to to broaden uh, a conversation uh that today's boys and candidly today's men uh, i think need um and so uh, being a part of a boys school uh is is really important to me professionally um, and, uh, and, and having the chance to, to be in a leadership position to, to help coordinate uh, all these wonderful voices, to help hear voices which, uh, which need, to be, need to be amplified is, uh, is, uh, is really fulfilling. Uh, and so just uh, if we view uh, education in, in general as a, as a large conversation between interested parties, um, this, is, this is exactly the type of education I want to be associated with. Character education has become a bit of a buzzword in boys' schools recently, with many schools wrestling through what this means in terms of curriculum development, pastoral support, and interaction with boys. I was interested to hear how John and Tom and their teams framed this conversation at their schools. One thing I would want to say is that, um, you know, if, if we're not in the, in the game, if we're not in schooling to to help boys become better men than they otherwise might be, um, then we're really, we're doing a disservice, not just to the boys, but to all the adults uh, in the community who are sacrificing and, and, and bringing their talents to bear. I think that character is a byproduct of values. And I also am sensitive to character can be perceived that there are certain types of character which can be dominant I'm sure that's not what's meant by it, but that's why I, I sort of just steer away from it a little bit. So we tend to, before thinking about attributes, that you have to know what you believe in. And um, so we tend to focus, and I focus, on, on values. And, and I believe that they stem from reflection of, of how we connect all that goes on in our own minds with all that that we observe and those that we observe it with. And it's somewhere in there uh, that, we, that we start to form our beliefs and our values about how we engage with the world. At Browning, uh, our mission is, is to foster the growth of uh, courageous and compassionate men of intellect and integrity uh, who aspire to contribute meaningfully to our world. And um, the, uh, the language of contribution, uh, the idea that uh, 
that you need to take the meaning you create and, and, and bring it into the world to help make that world a better place uh, is something that we really, uh, we really need uh, to focus on. If, if, if character isn't being developed in the service of something larger, um, then, uh, then we're not really doing our job. Um, at our school, we talk an awful lot, as I'm sure many, many schools do. We talk a lot about fundamental value as the inherent value and dignity of each person. And we have a question that we like to ask that leads to values, we believe, which is how the heck did the world get to be like this? And you know, how might it evolve to be better for everybody? I probably have a fan, you know, I'm lucky to be part of a fantastic team, uh, which thinks uh, about this a great deal and, and works on it uh, um, tirelessly. And, and, uh, and I think there, I guess I would want to say there are probably three things that we have come to, to really want to focus upon as, as we look at character or ethics or, or moral education, however we would want to describe that. And I, I think the first is, is this idea that, um, and it's embedded in our mission, is, is that good character is, is, is kind of rich and nuanced and, and you know, what we might call kind of thickly described. That, that is, like we, we want boys to avoid uh, false binaries. Uh, the idea that one is either courageous or compassionate, uh, the, that, a, that a good man is either decisive or patient, um, that you can be either strong or sensitive uh, or active or reflective, uh, that, that, uh, that a healthy moral life involves understanding that that we need a whole host of, uh, of attributes to, to live well uh, for ourselves and for others. Uh, and then we should be wary of seeing good qualities, uh, any good qualities is incompatible with one another uh, or with being a good man. Uh, you know, so sometimes, for example, compassion requires courage uh, and vice versa. Uh, and we would want our boys uh, to appreciate that. Um, the second thing I think we, we think a lot about is that while ethics uh, historically uh, is, is, is uh, often seen having to do with, with reasoning and moral reasoning, ethical reasoning, and, and rightly so, uh, we want to make sure that, that our boys understand that, that ethics or, or living well or character has, has a real emotional, uh, real emotional dimension. You know, so we, we try to play that out uh, in our curriculum um, where we have courses uh, on, uh, on, on how boys can can develop and sustain empathy or what we, we call radical empathy, uh, coursework on how to uh, maintain uh, and sustain not just relationships, uh, but friendships um, that we've, uh, we've embraced uh, the ruler uh, social emotional learning program out of Yale University Center for Emotional Intelligence, because we think that, uh, that all people, but, but boys in particular, have got to be vested with a certain type of emotional literacy, which allows them to understand themselves and the world around them. Uh, and we, of course, work to, designed to promote boys' mindfulness and, and self-care, um, that uh, we're, we're really trying to emphasize for boys that, that we need to be emotionally whole uh, to live well for ourselves uh, and for others. And, and this emotional component extends to the, to, to the entirety of, of, of our enterprise, right, uh, in that... Uh, you know, what we're trying to do is, as we build character is to help boys develop uh, emotional connections, uh, not, not just to each other, but to mentors and to the ideas about, uh, about living well or character that these mentors share uh, and represent. Um, I think values develop um, when boys uh, are encouraged to unearth interests and passions and get good at things and a high expectation of standards. Um, and, and across a very diverse setting that presents challenge to them as well as opportunity. So I think, I think all those things um, 
start to develop and nurture boys to think about what it is they actually believe in as being important in their lives. And it's from that that, um, that values come. So we would be, you know, how, how we pursue that, well, that gives you some background. But then we would do what I know that many, many schools do. We look at breadth and diversity of opportunity. We look to encourage service beyond our immediate community. We look to um, encourage connection with more diverse communities so that we can learn from them and how those aspects of what things that are, are pretty much common to our condition, but how different cultures um, um, embrace them and explore them and, and um, meet the challenges of them. We look to helpfully make boys confident and to have high expectations about doing their bit and maybe that little bit more. And um, we like to talk about the melding of economic and social enterprise rather than perhaps seeing them as different things, that they are you know, intimately and increasingly connected. And we like to, you know, I like to sort of try and work on these things and have a narrative to them so that you know, the desire is that they become habit forming and um, they become how boys think and act. The last thing, and I think it's affiliated, that, that we think about with regard to uh, helping boys become good men or men of character is, is that they, they need to develop a, a meaningful personal story uh, or narrative um, uh, upon which they can kind of hinge and, and hang their, their, their moral identity, um, uh, to, to put it differently. Um, you know, to contribute meaningfully to our world as our mission asks, uh, you, you know, one or one first has to have a sense of what one's own life means. Uh, that is, you know, that, that boys need to, to work towards articulating their own story about themselves, their own narrative to, to discover who they are. Uh, and more importantly, uh, to consider what it means for the person they are to flourish, um, to become the best uh, aspects of themselves and, and to explore how that flourishing uh, can benefit uh, the broader world. Boys schools around the world are working hard to write a new narrative for boys and broaden the definition of masculinity which has traditionally been limiting for the boys in their care. Tom and John shared their insights into this conversation. It's a great question. I, I have to say one of the, the most exciting aspects of, of being in boys schooling today is, is, is the idea that this is uh, the masculinity is something that we should be considering deeply or perhaps in, in different ways than we previously had. Like all in boys schools, I ponder this a fair bit. Uh, I don't believe that we can talk about what makes a good boy or a good man before we consider what, what we mean by a good person. And of course, this comes back to values and, and also what comes from values, the behaviors. Uh, and I think once we do that, we can then ask ourselves how, how such values manifest uh, for particular circumstances and particular times. And in the circumstances and times, um, how does it impact on being male? Uh, I'd love to share a quick story, um, if uh, I, I could. Uh, I, uh, I teach a class to grade 10 boys, um, and uh, it's a class on, on purpose and, and um, one of our values. But during the course of it, I, I, I asked the boys, um, you know, what is it that you like about being a boy uh, or a man? And uh, the guys weren't really sure what to make of it. And, and one of them said, <laughs> you know, is this a trick? Uh, which, uh, 
which I thought was really interesting because uh, we don't want boys to apologize uh, for their maleness uh, or their masculinity. Um, but we do, uh, I think we do want them to recognize that they have, uh, they have uh, agency, I guess, uh, in, in, in helping to construct their gender expression. Um, that we want our boys to realize that, that the whole of human life is, is fundamentally uh, dialogical. That is to say that the, the world may see something in you, but, but you have the, the right and the responsibility and the opportunity to help, help define what the world sees. Uh, and, and so that boys, um, we want boys to see themselves as, as active uh, participants, active subjects uh, in, in, in defining their masculinity and not just those who inherit a set of assumptions that I think we've seen um, are not always entirely healthy. Um, too, too many men don't don't either don't get or, or, or don't take the opportunity to consider um, to, to consider the cultural expectations uh, about masculinity that that are placed upon them. Uh, and I want to be really clear: th there is nothing wrong with the qualities that are often associated with traditional understandings of, of masculinity. Things like strength or, or courage or, or self-reliance um, but we we do our boys a disservice I think uh, if this is all we show them uh, of manhood um, and, and and I think one of the, the I don't want to say the only reason uh, or maybe not even the principal reason but an important reason for boys schools to exist I think is is as, as affinity groups uh, which are just this is a place where we gather boys uh, under the under the guidance and and care of, of, of adults who, who authentically want to know and love them. And, and we give them the chance to explore a fuller spectrum of masculinity. One, one which, yeah, should and, and can include things like strength and courage and self-reliance, but, but also involves, um, you know, strengths or virtues like, like kindness and, and flexibility and collaboration and, and so forth. Things which have not traditionally uh, been assigned uh, to our gender. It starts with, I believe, an awareness of what a good person is. What we well, what we believe a good person is, and I don't. I certainly don't think there can be a generic view of a good boy. Uh, I just don't think that's possible. I think we're all different, um, and uh, and that those values of a good person come out in different ways with different people, um, but yeah, with with common theme hopefully. And I think what's important about this too is. You know that we can help liberate uh, our boys when, when we help them to see that 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 like them, you know, accomplished, talented girls are subject to similar gender constraints, uh, and that you know the ways in which we define manhood uh, and masculinity have real implications for the entirety of humanhood. Uh, and and, and uh, you know if, if we can help boys broaden the spectrum of, of quote unquote acceptable or healthy masculinity. Um, they're, they're, they're going to do wonderful things for themselves, but they're also going to do wonderful things for the other people in their lives. Uh, as it allows all of us to, to, to tap into the, to the fullness of who we are, you know, traditionally so much of, of a, of a really narrow and I think unhealthy masculinity has been defined, uh, against that, which is uh, purportedly feminine. Uh, and I think that limits boys and, and girls alike. I think boys schools are phenomenal spaces. Uh, to do that, um, that if we take our mission seriously, if we take our opportunities seriously, uh, we can and should be leaders uh, in this front. I'm sure you will agree with me that we can all learn so much from seasoned professionals like Tom and John. I asked them both to share their tips for success in teaching boys. I would say um, don't overcomplicate things that don't need overcomplicating. I would say that 
remember it's all relational and that the contract of respect that we form with boys does not have implicit in it reciprocity and you need to show them that you value them. My, my best tip would probably be like um, to, to, to observe those teachers about whom the boys really seem to care. Um, uh, but I think what, what they might see in that is, is that, uh, that the teachers who are really great for boys um, recognize that boys uh, in the main uh, really actually want to know that you are interested in them as people. Uh, even if they're 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 posturing uh, posturing otherwise, um, you know this to, to be successful as a teacher in this way often requires patience um, and, and and perseverance um, and even even a lot of forgiveness. Um, but I think it's worth it uh, both in terms of the relationship you can cultivate with a boy, but also the sense of uh, professional fulfillment that one feels. So so just the the idea that that boys actually want to know that you're interested in them. The last thing I would I would throw into the mix is always always expect great things, and boys like it when you expect things of them. Um, you, know, other, you know, if they if they don't feel that or if they're finding things a little mundane, they'll, they'll cruise, stare out the window. Not not all. I mean, this is, these are generalizations. But I think that the more we expect them to to do great things, the more they'll they'll step and step up, and we we'll want to. They want to do that. They want to show you if you've got that contract there with them of respect. They want to show you what they can do, what they can achieve, and they and they'll go with you on the journey. Uh, a related thing I think is is as a teacher, just being honest about who you are. Um, maybe. Maybe all kids are are, are great at, at sniffing out uh, inauthenticity, uh, but I think boys are, are the boys I've been around are very good at it. Uh, they they know when they're being pandered to. Um, uh, they they know when you're not being true to yourself, and I think that uh, that's a kind of insult to their dignity and to yours. And and, and so the degree to which a teacher can kind of maintain uh, her or his authenticity, uh, I think that's kind of the coin of the boy realm uh, so I think that's that's something that I've, I've tried to I came to uh, people shared with me and I thought it was uh, it was good good uh, good advice and maybe lastly very particularly I, I think that um, the more I've been in this the more I'm, I'm trying to recognize that the boys I think don't necessarily respond well to to didactic lectures about morality uh, and ethics uh, I think they respond much better to stories um, stories that you would tell, particularly if you've cultivated a relationship with them. Uh, and uh, we need to be judicious in, in the telling of stories. They have to be appropriate in terms of time and content. Uh, but when they're told, I think they can be really effective, particularly if you don't, uh, if you don't give away the moral, uh, if you let boys work it out for themselves. Uh, I think if we're, we're serious about you know, pedagogical moves that can help boys discover more of who they can be in the world as ethical beings, uh, I think giving them stories, but but also trusting them to, um, to to work out what's significant about those stories on their own. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a helpful uh, helpful tactic, uh, helpful pedagogical move um, for, for the classroom and, and and in advisory and hallways and so forth. I always end these conversations with heads by asking them to share something they've read, heard, or interacted with recently that has challenged them or shaped the way they think about teaching boys. It's a bit of a cheat question, actually, because it usually helps me bolster my own reading list and uh, my worldview grows as a result. Tom and John's insights on this episode are no different. 
the other day, or oh, well, probably a little while ago, two or three weeks ago now, I was sitting chatting to a young female English teacher about the senior literature program at our school and the study of what they were doing. And they were, they were sort of involving um, talk and discussion and reading around the feminine form and the male gaze. And I recalled a poem that I always quite liked by Caroline Duffy called Beautiful, which I suggested to her may be, may be useful. And it caused me to reread it and again, think about what its impact is to boys and boys' schools on how, on how we uh, make boys aware of the impact of their influence um, and their actions and the way that they that they do behave, um, even if it's in a in a slightly more um, um, removed manner, it, it, their, their gesture and has has big impact, and uh, and it, and they need to be made aware. They can't carry it as a burden, but they do need to know that um, that the world they live in is is it extends beyond their beyond them, and and their group of friends. And I think that is a big challenge for us, um, that, that lighting up their minds to, to the consequences of, of their behaviors. There's a pair of books uh, about how boys uh, cultivate friendships and relationships and develop identity that have been really uh, important to me. Uh, one is by a, a, a scholar named Judy Chu, and it's called When Boys Become Boys. Um, and it was, uh, it was something that I came upon. It's, it's, a, it's a study of... Um, of uh, boys and girls in a um, in a uh, in a uh, early childhood program um, in a in an urban American area, kind of a progressive school. Um, but what uh, what Judy Chu found was how 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 readily and quickly um, boys as young as four and five uh, adopt standard and traditional tropes of masculinity, uh, and how all the kind of social forces um, within the school. Um, no matter how well-intentioned the teachers were, no, no matter how open-minded the parents were, um, just, just how quickly um, four- and five-year-old boys can, uh, can adopt certain, certain uh, attributes that, that allow them to establish social hierarchy and how, how those attributes are, are kind of affirmed and supported by the kids, boys, and girls around them. So for me, the lesson was just that, that we have got to be incredibly mindful um, even in the earliest going about, uh, about the messages we're giving our boys and the types of conversations into which we're inviting and, 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 and the opportunities we're giving them to consider what it means to have, have status and, and significance in the world because um, even very young boys are inheriting uh, a view which, which might not be altogether healthy uh, in, in the long run. Um, kind of affiliated with that is, is a book, um, it, it's an older book, but I came upon it uh, later, it's about a decade old, I think. Um, uh, by a woman named uh, Niobe Way, who's uh, I think is a professor at uh, at NYU. It's called Deep Secrets, and it's uh, it's this 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 wonderful study of of how boys in particularly in adolescence, uh, you know, between you know thirteen and fifteen, um, how uh, friendships that they've had with each other, uh, these kind of intense male friendships, which have often been marked marked by uh, by intimacy and vulnerability and deep trust, uh, they start to fall away. Uh, as these boys move into later adolescence uh, and start adopting and inheriting all these uh, ideas about what it means to be a man, to be self-reliant, to be stoic, to not betray any emotion, um, uh, to quote unquote man up, 
Um, and, and these qualities are incompatible with the type of friendships that they had previously had and which had done such wonderful things for them in terms of nurturing them emotionally and giving them a place to be in a sense of who they were in the world. And, and so to me, it's again, this kind of marker of just how attentive we need to be. You know, adolescence is hard for anyone uh, under the best of circumstances. Uh, but if you're getting a message that the type of friendships you've had uh, are no longer worthy of the manhood you're, you're, you're hoping to explore and express, um, that, that's a really confusing and difficult thing uh, to share with boys becoming men. At a, a sad occasion, but it was beautifully done, a memorial service for a young old boy who left oh, five, six years ago, left the school. And in the order of service, the, the young lad um, had written for himself before he passed away. It, it was written one of his favorite quotes, which is from Steinbeck's East of Eden regarding the resilience of, of the human soul. And it reminded me, and I think it's from the same part in East of Eden, if my memory serves me right. It reminds me of what was always one of my favorite little lines from that, where um, he, he notes that the free exploring mind of the individual human is the most valuable thing in the world. And revisiting that, um, again, refocus my mind on, on those important things um, in running a school, and particularly a boys' school, I imagine that we can get caught up in um, in in measures and routines and curriculum and examination and qualification. Um, but our big game, our big thing, is that free exploring mind of the individual human. In our case, the individual boy, and that's a lot. That's important to me to keep that in mind running a school. I just finished a, a book by uh, a journalist named uh, Peggy Orenstein. Uh, uh, it's helpfully uh, and very <laughs> explicitly uh, titled Boys and Sex. Uh, and it's, uh, it's about that. Um, but I, I think what it's been interesting, uh, it was interesting to me in the emphasis uh, that Orenstein gives on, on how we all need to be pushing past ideas about, um, you know, the, the, the boys' education around sex and relationships uh, needs to 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 focus entirely or exclusively on issues of, of things like consent uh, and respect. Now, I want to be really clear that uh, the consent and respect uh, for others uh, has got to be uh, got to be the foundation uh, of everything we do. Um, but Ornstein points out that uh, that we so seldom talk to boys and girls, uh, either uh, singly or in dialogue, about what it means to have a healthy, loving, giving relationship. How do we talk to our partners? Um, uh, and, and, and loved ones uh, and, and intimate others about what it means to love, what it means to be fulfilled uh, and these sort of things, what it means to be generous, uh, what it means to be honest. Uh, and that if, if we're cutting boys off from this dialogue and they're, and they're getting all then their information about what it means to be in successful relationships from media or or still from pornography, um, then, then we we're setting up not only uh, you know, their, their partners, but them uh, up for just, just miserable experiences. And so um, that to me was just, uh, I think it was illuminating. Uh, and I think it, it points the way towards, um, towards better conversations about, you know, what the IBSC has been exploring on things like responsible sexual citizenship, um, that, that we can be not only responsible to one another, but we can be generous with one another. We can uh, adopt a, a shared view about what it means uh, to live and love well uh, together. 
I trust you have listened keenly, as I did when recording this conversation with Tom and John. So many ideas they shared resonate deeply with me, and IBSC is fortunate to have educators of their caliber leading and teaching in our schools. Thank you to both of them for their time and insight. Just a reminder as we close to head to our website to check out our online classes starting in June and July and to catch past episodes of this podcast on your favorite podcast app. These are also archived on our website. Until next time, from me, Bruce Collins, goodbye and keep safe.